Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Nick Wisner, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. And you're going to be fun tonight, I can tell already. I am going to be pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that's, dry, that's my vibe. Dry humor? Sarcasm? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah, okay. a little column A, a little column B. Just uh, some straight up funny, and then some, was he trying to be funny or was he serious? Just right, now? right. You're going to have to re-listen, re-listen to this guy. Yeah, re-listen and, and, and not have the uh, video. Right, yeah. You don't have the, the video to, to give you a hand, uh, so you're just going on my voice. Yeah, exactly. And best of luck. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I'm pretty good at picking up on uh, dry humor, so I, hopefully I stay with you the entire time and we don't take any awkward turns. But if we do... It happens. Yeah, if we do, we do. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? It'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, all right. So I guess we should tell our listening audience how you and I know each other. We work together. We do. Uh, you are a technical person. I Yeah, I deal with tech. And I am a non-technical person. Correct. So we'll, we'll explore the, the tech stuff a little bit. Sure. Uh, but I, I have to say the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast, and, and congratulations, you're one of the first 240 people to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But that's uh, pretty good. Uh, sorry, yeah. I, I, I couldn't help myself. Yeah, uh, I saw you at a happy hour, sort of a, a fun thing after work, and right. I was wasn't in the conversation with you, but I was I was checking out conversations around me, and you were one of them. And I'm like, oh, he's pretty funny. He's pretty he's pretty smart guy. He's pretty observant. Like, I probably should get to know this guy a little bit. I appreciate that. Then we have uh, this what I'll call a management on-site thing that we did where we got everybody together to talk about all kinds of fun things. And we had a breakout session where these things happen. You, you have breakout sessions when you pull these people together. Right. And I, and I, I had a small group and I said, Hey, I'm going to need somebody to facilitate. And you're like, yep, I'll do that. And then there were what, six or seven folks in the room, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I said, okay, great. I'm gonna need somebody to take notes. And you're like, yep, I got that too. And then I'm looking at the rest of the room. Like, Hey guys, I'm going to need somebody to present not named Nick. Because Nick shouldn't do all three of these. Right. And, and by nature, most of us are introverted at our company. I would say so, yeah. So I wasn't super shocked that people weren't raising their hand to present. <laughs> sure. And, and then you you waited about a second. And you're like, yeah, I'll do that too. And I'm like, why are you doing all three? And you're like, I'm just going to lean in. I'm like, oh my God, he's, he's leading. And you did all three. Then you presented. You were by far the funniest. I thought what you presented was actually really good. I still think we should do the thing that we presented. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, priorities and other people's opinions, I, I think, are maybe sure. getting in our way. It's but, not going to make us a ton of money, but... But it's, I, it's a worthwhile thing to do. Yeah. yeah, I do too. It was, it was the thing that I wanted to solve, and I think you came up with a really good solution. Which I appreciate, yeah. yeah. And I thought it was good too. I... The lean in thing is is a that's a, a recent thing. You wouldn't expect the tech guy to to go into a room full of people that he works with, but he doesn't really know, right? And then um, be the guy that also leans in. Yeah, um, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm. I, I kind of straddle that line of of introverted extroverted. Ambivert, I think, is the term for that. Is uh, yeah. that's the. Huh. I'm also an amplifier. Oh, well, T-I-L. You got, you got a little uh, little of both in you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like there are times where you have to lean in. Yeah. And there are times where maybe uh, pull back a little bit. And if in doubt, I, I, I think you probably lean in these days, I'm guessing. I do. I do. I, I, I haven't always been that way. 
but I've I've learned over the years that I don't know if it's a control thing or or what, but it's kind of like I if you want to get something done and no one else is going to step in, well, you have two options: either you wait for someone else to step in, or you just do it. Yeah, and it's easy to step away. It's it really easy to step away. And you look around the room and you're like, ah, everybody's just kind of looking down. They're spaced out. They're doing whatever. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I like this idea. I'm going to I'm going to lean into that. Yeah. Yeah. I like so, it. That's uh it's it's a, it's a relatively new thing. It's not something I've done. Yeah. I haven't did done it my whole life. Did you read about it somewhere? No, I I I observed it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I my wife is great at it. Um She's somebody that would, she'll lean in uh, immediately and uh, willingly, but she has to kind of like pause to give other people a chance. Um, but a lot of the time she'll pause. No one steps in and she's just right there. Yeah. And she's fantastic at it. She's and a great role model for that. She is. She is. I mean, she's taught me a lot of things, but that, that that's an example of something that like I, I observe her you know, in social situations, um, you know, we, I, I met her at the church that we go to. Um, she, she leans into everything there, uh, within reason and she, she's great at it. Yeah. And I, and you like, you see results come out of it. You're like, all right, well, I can do that. You know? Yeah. I, I can count probably on two hands the number of times people have affected my behavior in a and they weren't my boss. They weren't a parent. They weren't a, an authority figure in my, my life. And, and that day actually impacted me. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a couple of examples. I was at work a couple of weeks later, or maybe about a month later, and we're doing something that I'm not very comfortable doing, but I'm asking the entire team to do it. And we were going to have somebody do a walkthrough. And we hadn't decided who was going to like share screen and, and actually go through this for the first time. And, and the guy leading the uh, exercise said, who wants to uh, share their screen and, and be the guinea pig here? And I'm like, yep, I'll do it. And it, it, I screwed up a couple times, and I'm like, but who cares? Sure. I'm, I'm leaning in. I'm learning. I'm setting a good example that leaning in is, is productive. Yes. You can't lean in everything. Time's a thing, right? You, yeah. you can be limited by time and, and other people's uh, opinions and perspectives. But when, when it's right there and it's worthwhile, right? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. When, when the, when the risk is, I mean, there's, there's like a boundary to it. You know, like if if me leaning in could cost me my job, I'm not going to lean in. Yeah, sure. You're not stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't born yesterday, but at the same time, if leaning in actually provides some value, and the only reason people aren't leaning in is because they're scared. Yep. Well, well, why not? You know, why not is right. I'll tell you another uh, quick thing. There, there's a certain level of guests that I just haven't figured out how to effectively go after. Like they're famous in corners of the universe sort of thing, uh, like a voice actor for a popular uh, nighttime cartoon or a guy who's won a couple of Super Bowl championships. Well, I've, I've landed both of them in part because you changed the way I, I think about those sorts of things. I'm like, what's what's the worst thing that happens? I learn from the experience and I move on to the next uh, potential guest. Right. Yeah. You've helped me land some pretty cool guests. I'll, Which I'll, I'll give you, you names know, You're afterwards. welcome. And, and like if commission's a thing, we'll talk. <laughs> yeah. Know. So... Uh, what, what percentage do you want? Well, I, like, I feel like 15 is... Uh, that seems reasonable. Okay. So here's how the math works today. 15% times zero. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's more of an investment opportunity. Yeah. I mean, We're it's, working it's, our way up. It's a long-term investment. Got it. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, that makes sense. <laughs> but today I can guarantee you I can pay you 15% of the yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's, get, let's pivot back to uh, where you grew up. Where I grew up. Um, I actually drove by your house um, on the way here. I, I, I kept going down 54, and you get to 301. Right. Yep. And uh, Hanover Courthouse is right there at the corner. And uh, part of the reason for that is because I, you know, I I grew up in your school district. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I I I went to to Hanover. Uh, I was the first full class. Like so, I I went. I I showed up as a freshman the year they opened. Um, made it all the way through. And it Hanover's a good place to live, or mm. it was. I don't know what it's like now. I don't live there now. Um, it still is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was definitely, so I, I, you know, was born in, in Chesterfield, lived there, uh, I, I guess for those, uh, or, or you listener, um, that I, it's South of Richmond, grew up there till I was nine. And then we moved to Hanover. Um, and I, I lived there for the next nine years and Chesterfield was great. Loved it. Um, definitely a little, uh, I would say, scrappier. Um, mm. It's not your, it, it was like maybe like early 90s Chesterfield, kind of scrappy. Yeah. Um, and then moved to Hanover, and I didn't have like this ultra diverse experience. Like Hanover is not exactly known for its diversity. It's It's mostly rural. There's a small town of Ashland that's in the middle. Right. Politically, it's a pretty red place. There's yeah. some blue in Ashland kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And and when I was going to school, it like it it somehow hadn't soaked in yet. Um, so like Hanover was Hanover High was was a great place to go and learn. Um, you know, I had some fantastic teachers some incredible mentors. Um, you know, one just actually passed away a couple of weeks ago. His name uh, was Daniel Bartels. Uh, he was the physics teacher there for, I think, nine years before he, he went to collegiate, mm-hmm. and he was the physics teacher there, and or STEM director. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a lot of, you know, living close to Atlee Elmont, it was sort of like, uh, you get the best of kind of like the the suburb life, but if I drive, you know, ten minutes down the road, uh, there's a guy in front of me with a tractor. Kind yeah, of thing. either you know, farming or there's woods or yeah. right. Uh, See, so you were right at that fringe in that fringe area between like, all right, if I want to make it to the city, I can get there in twenty five minutes. If I want to make it out into the country, well, I turn around. Seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, not even. Yeah. And it was, it was good. It was, uh, it was a good place to to grow up. I mean, I, 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 I you know, I don't know that my parents really thought a whole lot into it. It was sort of like a, well, this is halfway in between our job, like our respective jobs, and and you know, it makes sense to grow a family here. Why not? Um, but yeah, that was that was my Hanover experience. Are you the uh, oldest? I'm the oldest. Yeah, I have a younger sister. Uh, she five years my younger, um, which was good. Uh, I, I, you know, I got married recently, and and part of her kind of like speech at the wedding was, um, you know, she she grew up in my shadow. So 
uh, having come through Hanover, I was, uh, I leaned heavily into the extroverted part of my, uh, ambivert at the time. And, um, and so all the teachers, they knew me. Right. And so Abby comes through, she's, she's like, you know, labeled as, as kind of Nick's sister. Um, Which no younger sibling wants to be labeled as. No, no. Um, she, you know, in the in the speech, she kind of goes back and is like, you know, I, I'm I'm super proud of that, but at the same time, uh, at the you know, it was rough at the time, and and I was not exactly the best kid growing up. <laughs> but, is there a story there? Um, I mean, there's you know how much time you got. I I was I was one of those kids that on paper I looked great, um, you know. So I I was an Eagle Scout. Okay. I uh, got my Eagle Scout when I was 18. An Eagle Scout who may have uh, been mischievous at some point. Uh, yeah, yeah. So again, on paper, looked great. Um, you know, I if if I had submitted apps to all the girls that I dated in high school, they would have signed off immediately. And so I, I looked good. You know, I was in all the AP classes. I was smart. I you know played football and did all the sports. And you were well rounded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had it all going for me. Um, but behind the scenes, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, going to parties and sneaking out at night and, and doing all the things that, you know, uh, you know, parents would hope their kids aren't doing, but they also did when they were kids. So they know what's probably happening. Most kids do that. Yeah. I, I would hope. Yeah. Honestly. You're exploring. Yeah. You're figuring things out. Yep. And so, yeah, I was, I was definitely the kid and, and all the teachers at Hanover, they knew. Right, so my my sisters coming through, they're like, "Oh, you're Nick's sister, huh? Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be a handful." And turns out she was actually like the perfect student. Right. Um, meanwhile, like I, I did maybe four pieces of homework in my four years there, so like I I didn't I showed up, did well on the tests. I didn't do really a whole lot outside of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure it was tough for her. But you guys are adults now, and I'm sure she gave a great speech. At the no, I, I think she still holds a grudge. I mean, the fact that she, <laughs> like, yeah, your brother's getting married. You're going to bring this up? Come on. <laughs> uh, if she listens to this, will she laugh at, at that part? Yeah, I hope so. I think so. Yeah, I think she would. Yeah. I have to ask, Eagle Scout, what was your final project? Um, I was ambitious at first, so I <laughs> – that's kind of funny. I, I like reached out to the Massey Cancer Research Center. I was like, you know, I'm a smart guy. Let's let's figure out how to do an Eagle project for you. How do we, what's like a good, can I like, you know, set up a, a, a blood drive? Can we, like, what do we, how, how do we make this work? And they kind of came back and were like, you're, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, why would you, why would we, we don't want to, we're not going to work with you. You're not worth our time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we like if we need donors, we're gonna go to collegiate, mm-hmm. and we're not gonna go to Hanover High School. And so I landed on, um, I think it was like a two-parter. Right? We did like a, a bridge on the um, North Bank or like one of the buttermilk trails. Okay. And we did like uh, picnic tables for a park or something. And it was it was one of those kind of like I wouldn't say anticlimactic, but it was it was kind of like. Yeah, so I, for those that don't know, like the the ranks through the Boy Scouts, like you you have like you know, I guess Weeblow, Tenderfoot, 
first class, second class, or second class, first class, star, heart. Once you get heart, the next one's eagle. Oh, well, I got heart when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> Which is about the time that, like, you know, I started getting inter- interested in girls. And, sure. like, I'm, I'm playing football. And, and you know, it just wasn't a priority for me. And so I, I get to 18, and it was kind of a panic situation. I, I didn't have the best GPA. I guess it was, like, 17, my end of my junior year. I'm looking around. I'm like, I don't really have a plan. And this will become a theme. But I, I never plan, and I'm beginning to be concerned. Like all my friends are getting early, you know, thinking about college, and they're taking their SATs and they're crushing it. And I'm looking around, being like, "Well, what am I going to do? Um, Can I make money hanging out with uh, women my age and uh, drinking?" Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I, I explored the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I did some some market research, and. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I looked around and, uh, you know, Joe Schmo didn't have a whole lot of teeth and something tell me he's not making ends meet either. So yeah. I, I thought about it and, all right, well, I'm, I'm this close to Eagle. I might as well just get my Eagle. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, go through the motions, get the all the badges and all that stuff and it comes time for the Eagle project. I'm like, well, I, I got about four months before I turn 18. Because you have to finish before you turn 18. Yeah, you have to finish before you're 18. And... Um, I'm looking at it and I'm just kind of like, well, all right, let's try the Massey thing. And after like the first, oh, you really, had, like, you had four months I had when you went to months. Massey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to them and I'm like, hey, how do we make this work? And they're like, uh, no, we don't, we don't make it work. And so then it was, it was kind of like, uh, all right, I realized I kind of, you know, threw away, we'll call it six years. I need to get this. So I'm going to do, like, what's the minimum viable product for me making it to Eagle? This is when you first learned about the concept of that, MVP, that this is, yeah. even though you didn't call it that, probably. We didn't call it that. We called it, uh, what's the least amount Nick has to do to get Eagle? And uh, the acronym was horrible. But we, we walked away. And <laughs> I don't know if you spelled that out. <laughs> no, I haven't, but it's like at least four words. <laughs> I, I, we, you know, we get to the point, I'm talking to my scout leaders, and they're like, just build some picnic tables, dude. Like, you know how to use the saw. Just okay. get some guys, organize it, call it a project. It's public works. Um, no one's going to build picnic tables for Pole Green Park. You might as well. And so that's kind of how it went. Like, it, it again, it was it was sort of anticlimactic. I, I, you know, I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into the Boy Scouts before, um, you know, I, I sort of hit puberty i guess sure um and then once i got there it was sort of like ah this is embarrassing i don't want to i don't want people to know i'm doing this like it was still at, at the time not cool no it was not cool it was not cool but it looks great on a resume it looks great on a resume and so i i yeah again on paper i look great um but behind the scenes oof, was, uh, you, you lived uh, an experience that i like, did you got to play a sport? Did you play other sports besides football? Uh, so I played football. I ran track. Um, wrestled for a season or two. Um, yeah, I was relatively well-rounded. So you were? Uh, did they have superlatives at Hanover? They did. Were you? Were you Mister All Around, or were you in serious consideration for? 
I think I was in serious consideration. I ended up getting picked for most artistic. Oh, I know. Hmm. I yeah, it was it kind of something I wore as a, a badge of honor in a way because I I wouldn't say I, I didn't fit the mold, but um, being I, I didn't like to be but put in a box, right? So people would would look at you and say, "Oh, you play football. You're not good. Like you're a jock," or Oh, you're on the robotics team. You're a nerd. Right. Or, oh, you paint pretty pictures. You're an art kid. Were you on the robotics team? I was on the robotics team. So, um, so wait a minute. You, you literally are checking all of the clicks. You, you, you're a member of, of every click, and, and you're not a member of every click. You you relate to everyone. Yes. You have diverse interests, and you probably love the fact that you had those diverse interests. Yes. My identity became, how can I be different like what is the thing that sets me apart from all the rest of you schleps and it's you guys are all like following one path and i'm gonna i'm gonna be the guy that you can't tell me what to do kind of thing you basically see the lemmings headed in one direction you're like well i I don't have to do 180 from that but i'm definitely going to take a different direction right than that yeah exactly and and i think i like part of that was growing up and you know my my family encouraged, um, like my mom and dad, they encouraged like the artistic growth. Um, my dad was uh, a state champ wrestler in Michigan, growing up. So and that's he, serious wrestling. Yeah, it's serious. Like the, yeah. the wrestling we do here is no offense to the guys that wrestle here. Like I'm sure there's some fine wrestlers. There, there really are. Um, like uh, Mechanicsville High School. That's, yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the name now. Yeah. At the time, they had a wicked wrestling program and those kids uh, half of them were you know bailing hay on the weekends oh it's country strong right yeah yeah yeah. and you know it was it was it was a tougher environment to but it's still nothing compared to michigan um but my my parents like kind of encouraged both and they were sort of like you know do it all figure out what you like it's great it is it's great that your parents allowed you to explore like that yes because not um, a lot of parents are like that. They aren't. And I I actually grew up with some kids. Like, there, there was a guy I wrestled with um, and played football with. And, like, they were they were pretty hard on him. Like, he that's what he did. Um, and I, I, I don't think it necessarily stunted how things went. Like, he went to him. It's a knee. Did fine. Um, great guy. But I remember him being kind of, like, just burnt out all the time. And I had all these avenues I could go down. Uh, I got to do kind of whatever I wanted. And as long as I was doing well, um, it was fine. It was kosher. Yeah, it, it creates uh, the beginnings of pathways for you. But it, at a point, you're like, I, I think I'm going to have to make a couple of decisions that where I yeah. only play on maybe a couple of paths versus five or six. Which, you know, I, I'm. it didn't really set in until after college kind of that that was going to be a thing um but even going to college was it was hard because like you're all right so you're in ib art you're playing football coach is telling you if you put together a highlight reel we might get you into hampton sydney art teacher is telling you you get your portfolio together you're going to go to mica which is like the maryland institute for commercial art um i think um, you've got your physics teacher, um, 
the Bartels guy. He he's like, you know, you should be focusing on math and science. Um, it, like it's it's tough when you're a, a kid and you're like 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever, and you're trying to figure out like, well, what do I do? Um, <clears throat> it became tough. Like I I, I struggled with that a lot because there like. I don't regret having all the experiences I had, but the nice, maybe the only silver lining of, of being kind of like pushed into an area is like, you, you know what you're going to do. Like you have an identity in a thing and like, if you're great at it, then well, you can rest easy in that and you can kind of just keep going down that path. If you're above average at a lot of things, well, which one do you pick? Right? Cause your counselor is telling you, uh, we'll pick the thing you're good at. Well, I'm better than most people at a lot of things. So which one? She's like, well, which one do you have fun with? Well, I have fun in all of them. That's why I'm doing them. You know, like, well, well, like, which one do you think is gonna like? I don't know. You know, like they like they don't have answers after that. So for a lot of the, like, it was just sort of a. Well, I can make money doing all these things. I could go to school for all these things. I'm being told that like I'm I'm great at these things. Which one do I do? And so the, the, there's a balance. Like I, I grew up in the generation of parents that was like, um, you can do anything you want as long as you try, which is terrible advice. <laughs> you should never tell your kid that. Uh, I will never tell my kid that. Your phrasing was, what are you great at versus what do you enjoy doing? Uh, I think there's a critical difference there. And a lot of people, especially in social media and just screens in general, will sure. put out the message, go do what you love and and you'll end up being content, happy, and successful, however you define success. And that you're always hearing that from people that were part of the one hundredth of one percent who happened to make it in right. the field. And I'm like, that's that's awful advice. What, what are you advice. good at? And then how can you find your own way based on that thing you're good at right. or, or great at? And it, it just becomes this like, it's a slippery slope, right? Like it, it's gonna work for, like you said, 1% of people where either you're only going to be great at one thing and you land in that thing, or you're going to be great at a lot of things because you explored a lot of avenues, or you're going to think you should be good at a lot of things and you're terrible at all of them. Um, and so like it, it's a, it, it, the likelihood it works out is very narrow. Um, and so I, I, I came out of that and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, well, I'm, I'm good at all these things. Like which one, do, like, what do I do? You know, um, and I've been playing this card of like, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to be above average at everything. I might not be excellent at one thing, but I'm going to be above average at everything. And it, it was sort of like a jack of all trades. Um, and it, it, it sort of worked. And then I get to college and it sort of, uh, it sort of didn't work. Um, so you, I get there. So I, I, I ended up, let's, let's back up. Yeah. Where did you want to go? What schools did you apply to? I applied to, I think four schools, three schools. I got into all three. Um, I, you know, for being somebody that was terrified about not getting into college, did not put a ton of effort into getting into college. <laughs> cause, cause the typical answer is five or six. Right. Yeah. And it should be, and you should like shoot for the stars on at least one of those. Mm -hmm. And, I went with uh, Virginia Tech, JMU, and VCU. Um, 
and I, I get into all three. I'm actually, since I'm on the robotics team and, and our team did well, I'm kind of told by VCU, like, hey, or my physics teacher was like, you could probably get a full ride to VCU in their engineering department if, if that's what you want to do. And, and you know, I, I go to JMU and take a test for physics, and they're like, yeah, you would clap out of the first yeah, year or two of physics. Like, we'd, we'd get you into the advanced program. You'd be, you'd be great. Uh, we'd love to have you. And then tech's like, nah, we're not going to give you anything. Also, uh, like, yeah, our physics department is what it is. Like, they're, it's not great. Like, yeah. they, I think they start out with, like, over 100 kids, and they graduate, like, 12. Mm. Like, it's, it's a tough, tough program. And so, I, naturally, I, I'm like, well, I'll pick tech because it's the biggest of the three names. And what, what did big mean to, to the 18-year-old version of you? Big meant uh, I go to interview for a job, and they're going to care about where I went to college. And 22-year-old Nick, 23-year-old Nick would probably look at that person and say, you're an idiot, <laughs> right? Because it doesn't matter at all. No. no one even cares about your GPA. Right. Um, and so I, I end up going to tech, and, and I, yeah, I, I go for physics. And I'm, I'm there my first year, and... Um, at the end of the year, I, I think I had like a 2.1 GPA. Because they intend to only have 12 guys your year graduate as a physics I don't know if they intend it. I think they, it, the program is just not set up for success. For the, it, for the student? For the student, no. Yeah. It's, it's one of those like, um, my freshman year, I'm in like, what I would like for, for the physics kids is like physics 101 is the engineering physics for the engineers. And so they're like, these kids are like, the engineers are juniors, right? They've been taking calculus this whole time. They're sharp as a whip. Like in order to get into the program, you have to be pretty smart. And the physics kids are just drowning, Yeah. right? Like it's, it's hard. And I remember coming out of my first year and just being like, I, this is not a major if you also want to party. Yeah. And I was minoring in party. You're 18. Yeah, I was 18. You're away I'm, from home. I'm, away, I'm like three and a half hours from home. I like, yeah, I, I, I'm looking at it like, well, I'm here to have fun. Um, I'm going to be fine. And then at the end of my first year, I was like, I might not be fine. This is, <laughs> this is going on hell quick. And so I, I kind of look around and I'm like, all right, what, what's, what's something I can do? How do I salvage this situation? Because my mom's like, hey, you know, we're not going to pay for for school anymore if you're going to be just, you know, yeah, that GPA doesn't in the bed. Cut. Yeah, 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 doesn't yeah. Cut it. yeah. And and so I'm just I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, well, what do I do? Um, either I stop partying and I I focus on my my education, or I find a different science that is easier um that's literally the only thought i put into it like i'm 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 going to college right like this is this is where you learn the things that you're supposed to use in your professional career and i'm looking at it like well which one of these is the easiest and yeah with with no like next step i don't have a plan again like the recurring theme is nick doesn't have a plan 
I I look at Wait it. Wait a minute. Does your new bride know that you uh, <laughs> aren't, aren't really a planner? <laughs> yeah. She uh, she has realized, and and you know that uh, this is one of the areas she's helped me grow in. Um, she's a good planner. She she's fantastic, yeah. and um, you know that that's rubbed off on me in a lot of ways. But she at the time she wasn't around, so. Uh, Nick's here without a plan, and he's he's like, all right, what, <laughs> I already have all these prereqs for uh, a science education. What do I do? So I, I you know, look through like the the science majors. And I'm like, oh, biology seems like it's pretty applicable. I could probably get a job, and it's gonna be easier than physics. I know nothing about biology, nothing. other than what you took in ninth or tenth grade. Right. Yeah. 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 I was like, I did well in biology in ninth grade. This is go great. So I, I signed up for the major, switch majors. After your freshman year. After my freshman year. Um, kept the physics minor. Because um, you're... I was halfway through, yeah. You're a masochist. Well. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I don't want to make it too easy, right? <laughs> and my thought was, all right, you know, this is, what, 20? At the time, it was would have been 2009 or 8. Um, like, all right, green energy is a thing. Yeah, biology, physics, it's got to fit in there somewhere. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. And so fast forward to the end of my junior year, and I'm talking to, you know, guys probably at a party. I think it was a party. And and I'm like, yeah, so what are you guys doing this summer? You guys want to hang? And meanwhile, the summers before, I'd, I'd work construction. So I, I, would, I was, um, I worked for two different carpentry companies in Richmond and and it was great, and I, I planned on doing that my my junior year. And they, um, I'm talking to these guys. They're like, "Yeah, I got an internship at Northrop Grumman, and I got an internship over at a, uh, you know, Boeing, and I got like NASA's hitting me up, you know, like you know, uh, sliding in my DMs." And I, I'm I'm over here like, "Oh, that's that's super cool, man! Oh, I was I love gonna, that. I was going to bartend, maybe. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, what like barback? Is that like a career?" <laughs> And and I'm looking around, and these guys are all saying. So I, I call up my dad's dad. Um, he was um, my dad's dad. You know, my dad's from Michigan. He, his 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 dad was head of new venture products at Dow Chemical. Okay. And growing up, I like he super smart guy. Um, so I call him. I'm like, hey, you happen to know anybody doing internships? Do you? Like, it's Dow. What are they doing? And he's like, well, I don't work there anymore. I retired. Uh, but I'm consulting for this sailboat company. Why don't you, uh, I'll put in a good word for you, but you're going to have to go through the interview. Like you're going to do your own thing. And so I, I talked to the guys and, and I, I get the internship. So I, I go up at a, it's, it's called Gujon brothers. They make, um, uh, you know, sailboats and sailboat epoxy. And how old are you at this point? I was, I just, just turned 21. Okay. Um, so I, you know, he, he's like, yeah, talk to these guys. They're in Bay city, Michigan. Um, great company to work for, like, yeah, check them out. And so I, I interview with them and, and, um, I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, we've never had an intern before and that should have been my first clue. I think <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, Okay. And so we'll, I, I, we'll call it an internship. <laughs> sure, sure. We'll pay you. Well, yeah, why not? 
and so I, I meet up with these guys and, and, and I go, I, I end up in Bay city and I'm living with my grandparents. And, and you get along with your grandparents a ton, I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 My, my, well, I would say more than maybe the average kid, but, um, yeah, you know, I like, yes. Yeah. We got along and, and so I'm, and I'm living in their house and, and, you know, they've got like a eight bedroom house with, with like the gramps did well. And so they, they've got a, a great pad. I'm like, well, why not? I, free spot to live. All I got to do is mow the yard. And they probably love the company. And they love the company. And they love, yeah. And like, I'm the only, um, my dad is one of five kids. He's the only son and I'm my dad's only son. So oh. they're of the generation that like, Oh, you're, you're, you're the last listener. And I'm like, so go ahead and dote on me. Why not? <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I, I spend the summer with them and it was, ended up being the best job I ever had. Mm. Um, you know, I, I would, I would tell Boomer that tomorrow. Like he, it was the best. So the reason the job was the best was I would, I would go in in the morning and I, you know, I was hired as a, a chemical lab technician. So my job was to basically formulate epoxy. Okay. Um, I knew nothing about epoxy. Um, you knew how to follow instructions though. Right. And I could read, I, I read up on it <clears throat> and I like, I figure, you know, okay, you react these chemicals together, you get epoxy. Great. What, what happens if I throw this thing in? Um, and so I had a, like a few projects that like the, the head chemist, um, at the time, his name is Chris Maples. I think he retired, but they, they like feed me these projects and, and, but I was done by noon. So like I, I come in, I formulate epoxy for four hours. I come back and they're like, well, we don't have anything. What are the guys in the boat shop doing? And so I would, I would help. Basically, I would help out uh, building sailboats for like the last half of my day, and a couple of weeks. It took a couple of weeks, but a few weeks in, guys look at me and they're like, "Hey, you know, you don't suck. Why don't you come to the beer garden with us? We'll get loaded. We'll go sailing, and then you can, you know, that's what we'll do." And so for the last two thirds of the internship, it was formulate epoxy, take lunch go to the boat shop, work with the boat guys, and then get hammered, go sailing on Lake Huron every night. And it was a blast. And when you're 21, you can do when that. Yeah, when you're 21, you can go to the beer garden every night. Right? Like I'm still running at the time. Like I'm, I'm in great shape. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm just kind of like, well, why not? Um, so I end up dropping out. I drop out my what would have been my senior fall semester. And I'm, I'm like, I, I don't want to do this. Like I, why go back to school? This is great. Um, so I, I continue building, building sailboats. Um, could you build one now? I could. Wow. I could. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed like woodworking by itself is phenomenal, but when you build something that you ride in, it's that much better, and it has to stay above the surface. Hopefully, yeah. It's the uh, that's the idea, and so I uh, I I'm you know learning how to build boats. I'm you know learning more about chemistry. It's it, 
it's a great it, it was just a great experience it's like an industrial job a lot of blue collar guys a lot of like blue collar guys are great they are yeah yeah and, and like yeah i don't know the stigma that surrounds blue collar guys is unfair completely unfair it's incredibly because uh, they're a lot deeper than people give them credit for and they're, they're a lot smarter yes they're a lot more practical for sure yeah yeah, their smarts come in different ways. They might not be able to tell you how to formulate epoxy, but they're going to be able to tell you a lot more about life than you figured out as a 21-year-old. They're really good at problem solving. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, And so I, I, I get into I, – I, I drop out. I do this for a while, and then we get into winter. What was your parents' reaction to you dropping out? Uh, they weren't super stoked. Um, You're this all-around – kid in, in high school and right three years later you're um to a wash up yeah i'm uh, they were just sort of like well what's your plan i'm like oh, i'll go back eventually um and i think they were they were disappointed but there was also a a nick's gonna do what he's gonna do and b um he's not doing great so maybe this break will help him out and so i i take the break I, you know, kind of just, you know, I'm living in Michigan. I'm, I'm building boats. I'm having fun. But I made some friends, but I didn't meet anybody that was, like, life-shattering. And at some point, I'm just kind of like, and, you know, when I got to the end of the summer, my grandfather was kind of like, all right, so you're going back to school, right? And I, I couldn't look him straight in the face and tell him no. So I, I was like, well, yeah, I will. Um, and then I turned around and ran an apartment in Bay City and worked out of that company for the next four or five months. Um, and and so I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not in a good spot. And uh, by the time winter rolls in, A, the boats are shut down. B, Michigan's wicked cold. It's a brutal place. In the it's a brutal place. Like lake effect snow is a real thing. Yeah, that's it. It piles up, and so after a few weeks of that, I was like, I'm I can't do this anymore. I'll go home. Um, I'll just re-enroll in school. Let's do it. Uh, so I enroll in the the spring semester. Go back to tech. Um, you know, show up in January ready to rock, and and I I, I did pretty well after that. Like the break actually helped to recenter. Breaks can be great. They are. And like people, like you need to take time for yourself. The lemmings like, are all doing it in four years, right? Right, <laughs> right. yeah. I'm exactly. A, I was a lemming back then. Yeah. Well, and like, it's not like if if you have the fortitude to make it through four years, and you know what you're doing, you're going after something that you want to go after. Go for it. Most of the lemmings don't have a clue. They have no idea, and they're doing it because like mom and dad said, this is a great idea. Yep. And you should do this. You're not going to get a job if you don't. I'm going to support you for the rest of my life. So go get a job. And the pro- like, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily from the parents' perspective. But there is like a. Yeah, I, I walked out of college with like 62 grand in debt, and you know Biden's telling me now I gotta I gotta pay that back, and I'm pretty sure I voted the reason or the way I did for a reason and I'm, I'm still paying and I, I'm looking at it and I'm just kind of like, well, if, if I had known then what I know now, maybe I don't make the same decisions. Maybe I do. I don't know. 
but being told kind of like, Hey, you need to get a job. Like in order to get a job, you're gonna have to go to college, which I guess now is probably true. Um, it just made it really tough. Like what, 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 like I don't have any options. Like I don't, what do I do if I don't go to college? And I think that was part of the uncertainty piece. It's like why, why I flip majors is I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why I'm here. I'm here because somebody told me I should be here. And so it was this very like, I wouldn't say, it's just very confusing. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but after the break, like I'm, I'm working with these guys and I, I, I'm working with guys that have college degrees, have masters, PhDs. I'm also working with guys that can't spell college and they're both fantastic. You, you love both sides. Yeah. I love both sides. And I'm able to walk out of it and be like, well, I'm going to be fine. If all I do is this for the rest of my life, I join these blue collar guys. I'm going to be fine. If I go back to school and work my tail off, I'll make it to one of these masters PhD guys. They're doing fine. It's not the end of the world. Like the, all this pressure, like yes, parents put pressure on you. Yes. Like culture or society puts a little bit of pressure on you, but there's an element of it too. That like, I, I think I, I kind of just blew it out of proportion and I, I got in my head that like, well, if I, well, if I don't do this right, I'm, I'm screwed. And I don't, I don't think that's true. It's not true. It's not. And, but when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever, like you don't know better, right? Like, you know, growing up in Hanover, I was told I was great at everything. I get to college. I'm told I'm not great at everything. And so like my world's already rocked, but I'm also trying to figure out like girls and, you know, money management. How am I going to be independent? Yeah. Yeah. How do I, how do I pay rent and for this kick? You know, like what, what, like how do we do all of these? It it, it was, it's a lot like growing up is, you know, I, I thought I was prepared going into college and again, on paper, I look great. And, but like when you get there, it's a whole different story. Yeah, I, I've said this a lot on this podcast, and anybody that knows me pretty well, they've probably heard me say this 50 times. Sure. But the, the male, young male adult brain is not all the way there No. when you're 18 to 22. It's still forming. Uh, you're three, if you graduate at age 22, you're still three years away from your brain being fully formed. Yeah. Think about that. And we're putting 18-year-olds, male and female, into that position – the girls are a little more prepared because they're a little more mature, or maybe a lot more mature. Uh, sure. Boys trying to graduate at that level with those sorts of pressures, because the next step after you graduate or leave, however you leave, is to, like you had, it's real life. Yeah. Because your parents certainly didn't raise you to just hang out in your 20s and live with them. Right. But at the same time, we have this, it's not like a pandemic, but like this, all these kids coming back and part of it's like the economy and like markets and whatever, but like kids coming out of college and coming, moving back with mom and dad, and we're just hanging out and Cause the world scares them. Right. And like, it's not that mom and dad necessarily prepared them wrong, but they, 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 they come out of college and like the difficulties right now surrounding like how to be an adult are tough. Yeah, and you were you were under a pandemic where your social skills are stunted a lot. 
Yes. Whether you were in high school at the time, you were doing the high school thing, then going to college, or you were in college the entire time, it, that, it's really, really rough. And you can entertain yourself without interacting with another human being sure. for days on end if you yeah, want to. Absolutely. Uh, not not healthy at all. No. No. And and like even as like I love technology, you know, I'm I work in it every day. If if I were somebody like if if it were me graduating right now or a few years ago, I don't I don't know what happens. You know, I I, I it can be a a cancer. Um like they they engineer social media apps to be like slot machines. Like yeah. the whole idea is to like get a dopamine hit and just keep coming back for more. Yeah. Right. And you know, when, when kids are already struggling to f- like find themselves to have that at their disposal, um, like they call gambling addiction an addiction for a reason. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a, it's a dark spiral. Um, I kind of forgot how we got here. How we got here. We're just talking about struggling at, at that age. Yes, yeah, 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 struggling. Well, and 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 so I, I ended up graduating. One of the first, um, and we'll kind of come back to this, but one of the, like, the nonprofit I worked with after college was called Code VA, and they, they prepped kids. They focused mostly on like inner city kids and like kids without. Um, it's where kids like, from Hanover County go when they want to be coders. Right. Yeah. Um, they well, uh, there's Code RVA, which is the high school. Ah, I'm, I'm thinking of the high school. You're thinking of the high school. Yeah. Code VA, uh, they were here first, and they were the guy. Like they're a nonprofit that part of their mission is to teach teachers how to teach code. Um, interestingly enough, they also were the ones lobbying to make that a thing. Uh, so they kind of like sort of dogfooded themselves, but they they did a great job of being like, listen. You don't know what you want to do when you get out of, out of high school. Don't jump right into college. Like, if you're interested in coding, great. Take a year, figure it out. Uh, get a job, doing something. Figure it out. There are a million applications for kids who can code, right? Right. Exactly. Um, like, figure out what you want to do, man. Like, don't... Like, I, I got very lucky in a lot of ways. Um, like, I'm not saying hard work wasn't part of it. Definitely was. And like perseverance, sure. Um, and like there, there's an aptitude for it, but at the end of the like, I I got super lucky. So I, you know, I, I go back to tech. I end up graduating a, a year later, so I was fall 2011, and I ended up having the only reason I really had to say that extra extra semester was uh, not because I dropped out for a semester, but really because I had a lab. That was only offered in the fall. Yeah, it's weird how schools do it's that. It's kind of dumb. I'm going through that with my my oldest right now. Yeah. It's it's wildly frustrating. Uh, even if you plan everything correctly and your counselor, like whatever. I so I take the lab and I'm like, well, I'm already here. Might as well take some more courses. I take a um, like an intellectual property, like science, technology, and law. I mm-hmm. think was was the the class, and I got really into it. And I thought. All right. Well, maybe I'll be a patent patent clerk. Because um, it occurred to me, like my senior that last semester, I don't, um, you know, again the recurring theme. Nick doesn't have a plan. I don't have a plan. I'm getting a degree in something that, like, I don't want to do research. I don't want to work for big pharma. 
And well, those are my two options, um, at least at the time. And so I'm looking at it and I'm just kind of like, well, what do I do? I don't, what do I do? And so I'm, I'm, you know, in this science, technology and law program and for this class and the professor is, she's phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I'm introduced to like this, the, the, the law side of things. I, I'm, I'm very intrigued, which is kind of a thing. Like I, I'll bite if something intrigues me kind of thing. And I, I get to the end of it and I graduate and, you know, we, we grab coffee one day and she's like, well, if you're going to be in Blacksburg, you want to be my TA for the next semester. You can't, um, you know, we're going to ramp up the program. There's going to be more like IP stuff. I can get you plugged in with, uh, Virginia Tech's, um, intellectual property, uh, like they're, they're, they're patent guys, uh, which I, I didn't realize this, but tech has like the third largest portfolio of patents among public universities. That's really cool. It's wild. Yeah. Um, and, and so when she, she told me that I was like, well, sure. Albert Einstein was a patent, a, ter- a patent clerk. I, you know, he's pretty smart. Yeah. He did fine. I'll, I'll do what he did. Um, like he and I, we're we're on the same level, right? Uh, so <laughs> you were destined to do all, all yeah. kinds of greatness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to make some breakthrough physics discoveries. So I, I'm I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, I'm gonna I'll do I'll do this patent stuff and and so I I go to the College of Science and they're they're like, yeah, we'll get you plugged in. Work with these guys, and so I work for them for. Uh, it was probably about six weeks and after six weeks I I'm looking at it and I'm like I I'm not, I can't do this anymore uh, so it turns out a big part of the reason tech's patent portfolio is what it is is because uh, it's almost entirely grass <laughs> yeah yeah all well, they, of, they started that as an agricultural school they did, and they had this turf program, and it's it's a it's a great program. Like all of the, it sounds like it's world class. It is, yeah. All of the the grass you see on football fields, the NFL, um, most soccer stadiums worldwide, it comes from grass that they like patented from Blacksburg, Virginia. Blacksburg, Virginia, and so they every day, day in and day out, I am reading patents about grass and determining whether or not it's an executable patent. So these professors are submitting these patents and not them, they're TAs. And I mean, like you have- Are you you the only person in the adjudication process? I'm the only one reviewing all of them. You're a step in the process towards the patent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the the actual lawyers at tech are Mm -hmm. the ones executing the patents, but I'm, I'm telling them whether or not it's gonna win. Yeah, basically, and so I'm reading through these things, and I'm 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 like I, I can't do it anymore. I don't care enough about this. I don't like, know how anybody could care that much about grass. Right? Yeah, yeah like you, you get to a certain point, and you're just kind of like, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't care. Um, and I'm what I'm, I'm 22, approaching 23 at the time, and so I'm I'm just sort of at the point where like I, I gotta find something else. This isn't gonna work. Like Albert Einstein can do it. You know, well, do we I'll, know how long Einstein did it? Uh, a couple of years. Oh, he was wow. at the U.S. Patent Office. Okay. He was uh, up in D.C. 
So I mean, I, it was it was a few years. Uh, I think it was right after he moved from Germany to the states. I could be wrong on that. Okay. Um, but yeah, he did it for a while. But at the same time, he was also he a he was reviewing patents that were probably novel because in the forties and thirties he's doing it. Everything's novel. Yeah. Right. Patent patent office has only been around for I don't know less than a hundred years at that point. Oh yeah. And everything you know, industrial age, whatever. Um, he's not reviewing patents on grass. Every day. Every day. Like I, I got six hundred patents in. I'm like I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Oh man. All right. So what was the next uh, move then? Next move was. All right. Well, I'm gonna stick around in Blacksburg for the next year. This is probably March, 2012. Um, February or March, 2012. And I'm like, well, I already signed a lease. I'm living here. Um, Blacksburg, at the at least at the time, I'm sure it is today, like notoriously hard for breaking a lease. Mm. So I'm stuck with it. Uh, and at the time, I was I was dating somebody that was uh, she still had a year left. She was going to graduate in the end of that year. So I was like, stick it out, you know. Um, so I I go back to the College of Science and I'm like, hey. Do you guys have anything else? My rent's two seventy five. How do we? How how does Nick make enough money working for you, where he can still afford rent and like live? Because um, I can't do this patent stuff anymore. And and like the the person I interviewed with, she's like, well, you don't have. Um, and meanwhile, the entire time I'm doing this. Um, patent stuff. I I did end up TAing for the professor that I had talked to, so I'm doing that for like ten dollars an hour. It's like ballpark, hundred bucks a week, maybe one fifty. You're not you're not killing it, but it covers rent, right? And and I'm doing this patent stuff on the side, and you know the, the so I go back to the college of science. Like, well, you're already TAing, but like you're not a student, you're not a graduate student. Um, I was like, I'll, I'll wash dishes and labs. I'll do anything. I just need a little extra beer money. Like, help me out. And I'm like, it's something nice to put on a resume. You know, give me something. And they're they're just kind of like, well, we don't we don't have a ton. Um, but you know, we need somebody to overhaul our websites. Um, like, do do you know how to build websites? And building websites back then is very different than doing the templated, just click on a few buttons and now yes. you have a website. You had to really code. To you had to, yeah, you had to at least know, be dangerous enough to like, um, like you might have had a, a content management system. Uh, like, so tech had a, a, a CMS, but, and they had like, you know, a, a way of building a web page, but like you had to know if you wanted to do anything outside of kind of like their sort of rubric uh, or template for or, or a website, uh, which is very generic. Like you had, you had to know something. And, and so like the people that work at the college of science, like one of the things I learned working with them is the majority of the people that work for, Virginia Tech and I imagine most 
universities, like especially like staff people, they come from the area. Yeah. And so the the these are like people that grew up in Blacksburg. And they're like, I we don't know anything about websites, dude. Like we don't know anything. I know the thing they told me yeah. to start doing I, eight, I know eight years to, ago, and I'm yeah. still doing it. Yeah. And I, I can like open a browser, and I can go to a web page, and I know Google. Um, but it was just sort of this like, you know. So anyway, they they asked me, they're like, "Yeah, can you build websites?" Um, I'm like, "Well, yeah, yeah, I can build websites." And in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, "I know MySpace." You know, like I, I put mu- I put music on MySpace. I, I know how to do like the the, you know, I didn't even know it was called CSS, but like I know how to change the styles. Like I, I can make my my name bold, and so I'm um, I'm, I lie basically in this interview, and in the back, like also in the back of my head is is, well, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm I'm gonna get paid for two weeks, and I'll find something else if that's what what it comes to. Um, but I kind of, you know, I lean in and I'm like, well, why not? Let's just, let's make this, let's like, we can at least see where it goes. I'm going to learn something. And that's something that excites me. Um, I wasn't learning anything doing patents. I might not as well learn. Not a thing. Not a thing. Um, I might even like, I, I could have regressed. And so I, I, I walk in the interview, it's, it's maybe like Thursday or Friday and, um, they're like, great. Can you start Monday? And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, Monday sounds great. I'll see you guys then. Like, all right. Um, you know, we're, we'll give you a laptop. you like, you, you show up, we'll, you know, we'll make it work. Um, and so I, I leave the interview and I'm like, this is great. Got a job. Also, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, so I, I drive to Christiansburg, um, go to Barnes and Noble, and I, I pick up, um, you know, JavaScript for dummies and and like. An, so you don't go to the internet to learn; you go to a book, right? Because you know, in in college, at least at the time, it was, you know, you wanted to learn something about something. You you had the the textbook you, to go you with grab it. Grab the book. You yeah. grab the book. And instead of going to like Virginia Tech bookstore, which probably had what I was looking for, I I go to Barnes and Noble in Christiansburg. I buy you know HTML and CSS as a book and and um, JavaScript for dummies, and I read them cover to cover over the weekend. And by the end of Sunday, I'm like I, I'm I'm in big trouble. I'm in big trouble. Um, but I I show up on Monday. Um, you know, I, I start building websites and it, it took me a while to figure out, but what, what occurred to me was essentially, and this is maybe like my, I don't know if it's naive arrogance that goes with this, but it was, it was kind of like, all right, all this stuff is essentially basic English and basic math. And I know calculus and I've been speaking English for a while. We can figure this out. It's, it, it cannot be that hard. It's doable. Yeah. It's doable. Um, now, fast forward a few years, turns out it's a lot harder than that. But at the time, it was just basic, like, copy, like, you can figure this out. They didn't have high expectations, I imagine, at the time. They didn't. And anything you did successfully was lauded. 
It was like a magic trick. Yeah. It was like, hey, look what I did. I put a button on a page. And they're like, oh, it only took you three weeks. We, it's like, we well, couldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing the College of Science site. And the first page takes me, you know, two weeks, three weeks. Second page takes me a couple of days. The rest of the website took me, you know, a week, right? Like I, I figured it out and start crushing. And you were good at it. I was good at it. I was good at it. And I get to the end of it and the, um, I finished doing their websites and I'm like, all right, you know, um, you know, what's, what's next? And they're like, we already thought of it. Uh, the registrar's office needs their websites overhauled as well. And so there's like student services and, and, um, you know, like, like you could, you know, they're, they're going to be a career. Like the, the college of science was, was hourly. They just upped my hourly wage, but the registrar. So I, I, I do the registrar like May and they're like, yeah, we'll pay you 32 grand a year to come to like work as our IT guy fix all the printers and workstations, but also build the websites, 32 grand. Which in 2012, not a ton of money, but in Blacksburg, that's... You can stretch those dollars. You can stretch those, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, you know, I got a 403B, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm contributing. And, you know, like it, it, it was great. Um, ended up learning like... Uh, Linux working for them. Like they, they had me set up their like print server for, for doing transcripts. Um, so like right now you, you, you like even today, but at the time you would call into Virginia tech and be like, Hey, I need a transcript. They're like, it, it's 50 bucks and we'd print one for you. Well, they were shipping like 30 of those bucks out to get printed by somebody else. Yeah. And they're like, can we print these in house? I'm like, well, yeah, we can do that. So I, I learned Linux. I figure out how to do the, the print server stuff. And then I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coasting, but I get to the end of my sort of like uh, girl I'm dating. She graduates and she gets a job at um, the Fed up in D.C. And I'm sort of like, well, what do I do now? You know, like I, I made it a year and we figured things out. I moved like twice in that time, maybe three times. Um, but like now what's the plan? I don't, I don't do, you, really... do you understand how useful what you've learned over the last year was going to be? I had an idea, um, but I hadn't like, I hadn't really looked into like job markets. You know, I, 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 I was just fear, sort of fear like the unknown kind of thing. Fear of the unknown, but also like I'm still trying to learn what I'm in. Um, I'm I'm trying to make. I'm not I'm not thinking forward because I'm I'm in part because I'm bad at planning, but also because I'm in the midst of it and I'm trying to figure it out. And so I get to the you know end of the year. This would have been, I guess. 20 early 2013 January 2013 and what what happens at like universities at the end of the year um, most staff take off right it's Christmas New Year's uh, 
kids are already gone. There's no point in being there anyway. And so everybody kind of encouraged me, like, take, you get two weeks off a year, take at least 10 days at the end of the year. Like, save those pups up. And so I did, and I, I took all 10 at the end of the year. So I, I got, you know, a little bit before Christmas, Christmas, the full week after, and then New Year's. And I'm driving back after New Year's, and I get a call um, while I'm driving. And I, I think at the time I had, like, a Jetta. And I, I get a call, and it's, you know, from a, a recruiter. And she's like, you have time to talk? And I'm like, I, I got three and a half hours. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And so we talked for probably an hour um, about, you know, a job opportunity. And I'm like, yeah, I could be interested. Like, you know, tell me about it. And I, by the time I get home, like I talked to this lady for a long time. And she's like, I think you'd be a good fit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have one of my guys call you next week. We'll we'll go, kind of go from there. And, and so he calls me, I talk to him and then it ends up being a, a staffing firm for capital one in Richmond. Uh-huh. Um, and so it, it works out where like I end up being a contract employee for capital one because this contracting firm hires people that have no idea what they're doing, uh, to do, a job that they're probably unqualified for. And they bring me in, they, you know, get me plugged in and I'm just like, all right, well, well I guess we'll do this again. We'll figure it out. Um, and that was like going back to kind of like, like how I got lucky. This is, this is an example of how I got lucky where I have a degree in biology. I got lucky that, um, you know, I was able to get a, a web design and development job with the College of Science because I begged them for one. You begged them for a job and not that particular job. And they right. Just, and they just say, well, yeah, sure, you could help us right. with our website. And I, 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 like, not effectively, but, like, literally lie in the interview and say I can. And they were like, great, you start Monday and, like, you know, it just kind of fell into place a year later, not even nine months later, I'm getting a call from a recruiter to, you know, be a contractor at, at capital one, which like at the time seemed like a really big deal. And like it was, it kind of was, um, like I, I sign on with them and, you know, a couple months later I meet, um, Mark Shapiro, who was, uh, he's, he, well, he's now my manager, but you sit next to him. I sit next to him. Yeah. Um, which like, there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole story there, but he, you know, I, I, it, it worked out where I, you know, the perseverance and like the, the wherewithal and like the, the hard work piece definitely was like a, um, it played into it, you know, I, I, it definitely made a difference, but it wasn't like the, the linchpin. I, it, it like, it, it just kind of sort of fell into place in some ways. Um, and that's, 
I don't know if our listeners can hear my dogs barking right now, but it's driving me a little nuts. Sorry. I don't blame you. Sorry, keep going. I, I can hear them barking. It's uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just. It, it kind of just fell into place where. Um, <laughs> now we have, we have one of my kids yelling at the dogs. Yeah, this, that's fair. This is good times. Yeah, this is, uh, this is not the first time it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> I. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm I'm fortunate that things worked out the way they did, um, because it, it it didn't have to happen that way. It's a bit of happenstance. It's some you, yeah, you, you got some things fell into place. Yeah, um, and they do, and they do, and they do, and I I, I guess I'm still kind of learning that where it's like all right, luck is really just where opportunity meets uh, like preparedness. I guess. Yeah, you put yourself out there. Right. You you lean in in places where it makes sense for you to lean in, and right. Luck eventually finds you. Yeah. Or you like, find it. You yeah. You'll either stumble upon it or you you will fall into it. Um, but if you if if you showed up prepared, regardless of whether you're prepared or not. Um, but if you, if if you make every effort to show prepared to every opportunity, eventually something. It's going to go your way. Yeah. You just have to keep getting up. Yeah. And making the effort. All right. Let's, uh, are you, what do you do with your spare time today? When, when you're not with, like, your wife's like, hey, go spend half a day doing whatever you want to do. And you're new in your marriage, so I don't know that you're I actually, am. you have half days. I don't yourself. get half days. I get hours. But imagine you, imagine you had a couple I'm hours. I'm counting this in minutes. Um, I, so my, like, my wife is incredible. Like, a, she's incredible, but also she's incredibly active. Um, she is somebody that if she has something every night of the week, she's getting filled up. Um, that's like she gets filled up by people. Yeah. Um, like loving on them, spending time with them. Like that's just who she is at her core. And and I am very much not that way. Um, it's not that I, I dislike people. I love people. Um, I love relationships with people, but but you don't have to be around them all the time. I don't have to be around them all the time, and I I need my like space. So, like an ideal for me, ideal, we'll call it half day. Um, it's doing like a project by myself, um, whether it's woodworking, whether it's you know fixing the tub upstairs, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, like patching the roof. I, I love using my hands and I love especially getting outdoors if I can, but really just using my hands and being alone. Um, those are two things that, yeah, I wouldn't say I covet, but I, I've, I've learned to respect the, their value in my life. It's where you get energy. At least one of the places you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, that is, that's how I get recharged. Um, but another thing that fills me up is, you know, in spite of what I just said, it, it, like it's, it's kind of, I, I really enjoy helping people. Um, I get, there's a selfish part to when you help someone. Um, you know, anybody that doesn't admit that probably isn't doing it very often. Uh, or they, they're not being truthful or they're not thinking about it enough. Right. Yeah. Um, like, I, de- I, I fully believe that you are, you know, 
you and I and, and, um, you know, your daughter upstairs and like, you, like we were designed with a purpose. You have a purpose behind you. And part of that design is to lean in to that purpose. Um, whatever that purpose is. And like, it doesn't mean that like the thing that you're leaning into is going to recharge you, but it, it still makes it your purpose. Um, and so like what recharges me is like the alone time, like the, the doing, like using my hands, working, like accomplishing a thing. But the, the thing that like, I feel like it's my purpose is, is really geared towards helping others out. Like I'm, I'm good at all these things. Like I'm, I'm good at woodworking. I'm good at, um, you know, problem solving, like all, like things that most people my age aren't typically good at. Like I, I, I find myself being better at than most. And I have the energy still to show up for people and be like, Oh, you need to build a fence. Let's get to it. Or you want to do a patio. Let's get after it. Um, those kinds of things also recharge me. So even though it's not me by myself, that's, that's something that like I, I get a lot out of. You're still getting everything you get out of it when you're doing it by yourself. It's just, you're with other people. That's, that's the only difference it sounds like. And well, and, well, and you're doing something for somebody else. You're doing, yeah. And you're getting the gratification out of doing something for someone else. And like, I think that's the, that's the recharge piece that's different is like when I'm doing it by myself, like I get that alone time and, and I love it and I need it, but there's an element of helping somebody else do a thing that I know how to do that brings me like a, a gratification piece. And that's part of the reason I do it. Like I, I would love to be like, you know what? I get nothing out of it. I'm the most I selfless just, person I, on earth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't. Like I, I'm not that person. I I get something out of it. Um, I, I think everybody. Does. <clears throat> I hope they do. Yeah. Because otherwise, why are you doing it? Right. Kind of. Um, and then I I would say like the last thing that kind of recharges me is is you know kind of like learning. Mm. Um, I really enjoy, um, just finding something new. Um, my my job is best when I am intrigued by the thing that I'm doing yeah. or uh, there's a newness to it that I have to figure out, you know, whether that's people management, whether it's a different language and software or a different way of doing things, whatever. Um, that's kind of my, my wheelhouse. So if I, if I get all three of those things in a week, like I, you know, it, it's, it's not a, a Jimmy V day, but it's still a pretty good day. You know, like yeah, you may not have laugh cried or, uh, been deep in thought yes yeah yeah and that like I, I might not do all three of those things but i'm i'm still gonna have a great week um but the jimmy thing uh the jimmy v thing it does stick with me that's that's oh it's brilliant it, it is it, it it's very simple it's very straightforward and he's absolutely right yes yeah yeah every time i watch i guess we're coming up well december Mid-December is when yeah. that'll hit the SBs again. Yeah, yeah. I go to <clears throat> Hill City, uh, which is right over there off Staples Mill okay. um, near Broad. Yep. And, um, and so, I, like, Capital One had kind of burned me out. Um, it had really, uh, we were going through 
some like migration efforts and anyway things things got tough and at the time i was um contracted and i came out of the contract work and um stepped right into the next thing and 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 it was just awful um you know 80 hour weeks 80 to 100 and and just on call all the time brutal it was it was rough and so I get to the end of that. It was probably May. I I don't remember the year. Um, nine years ago, I guess. Eight years ago. And I get to the end of it, and I, I'm just I'm done. And the friends I had at the time were were pretty rough, and and so I I, you know, I linked up with some guys that I knew from from high school in Hanover and, and guys that I got, I had gone to tech with and, uh, Michael Lieber was one of the guys and, and, you know, he, he was like, why don't you come to church? Uh, so I go to this, you know, church with them, Hill city. It's maybe got 300 people. Um, at the time it was super tiny and it's over at the U-turn building right there off Stablesville. And, and, and we're, we're doing our thing. And, that was the next, you know, seven years of my life was like, that was where I, I was beginning to find like purpose and like my faith like, a started, but also grew. Uh, so growing up, I didn't go to church. I didn't, I didn't have like a, a faith background. Um, it wasn't like I, I came from like a Catholic upbringing and like, you know, de churched and, and going to this, it was sort of like, all brand new and um and so I'm, I'm going there i build a community with people uh or a community of people and and uh one of the guys his name is is um kevin mcgeorge he uh also a collegiate guy um i end up moving in with him a couple years ago uh probably about four years ago and uh he like kind of changed my life and like really like he had been going to church there for a while but he he knew the wagglers that that started the church uh for a a long time and and he just has a has a fantastic story um i'd love for you to get him on here okay he's he's a great guy Um, i mean not many people say so and so changed my life yeah he i mean he did he absolutely did um and and you know, for the better. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I get to know this guy. I live with him for like, you know, almost three and a half years. I end up buying a house. And um, the fall of 2021, I I end up going to the Wagglers for like a, uh, we call them like Shabbat dinners. Um, basically, like Jewish Shabbat was, uh, you, you take a night off, you take a day off. Uh, the idea is like there's a day of rest like in Genesis there's you know creation story there's a day of rest Shabbat aligns with that yeah and it looks different for everybody like you know they're they're pastors at a church Sunday is not really a day of rest but uh, Friday night into Saturday night could be and so that's kind of like when we would do it is we would you know show up we'd make dinner and and all that Um, and Kelly was at one 
and so I, I meet her there, uh, and I had actually met her in, uh, 2019. We, um, briefly, um, we, we both ended up going to Israel together, mm. um, with like a, a group of 30 people. And, uh, it's like the tattoo on my arm is from the, uh, the oldest tattoo shop in the world. It's, it's in, uh. Jerusalem. That's a really cool story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's called Razouk, uh, R A Z O U K, I think. Um, a tattoo, and it's you know they're on their twenty seventh generation. It's from the. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the so nothing like, lasts twenty seven generations. Right, man. right. And they like from the Crusades, like sixteen yeah. hundreds. Right. So these these guys have been tattooing you know really christians this entire time uh they're palestinian they're uh, allowed to operate their business within the walls of of jerusalem um like their tattoo shop is built into like one of the walls of david <laughs> it's gnarly and what's, what's like super crazy is i we show up at the tattoo shop uh there are harleys parked out front you walk in the guys have hair down to here, like shoulder length, um, and like ripped, uh, like leather jackets. There's nobody like them on earth. Yeah, it was, it was like, uh, am I getting a tattoo in Daytona or am I getting a, <laughs> like, it, it, like the the translation between the two was just phenomenal. Like they're playing Led Zeppelin when you walk in. Like, it was, it, it was not it something was you perfect. expect when you're in you're, Jerusalem. Right, right. Like I had, I had heard zero American music when I got there <laughs> until I walked into a tattoo shop. And it was, they, you know, and I'm, I'm asking them to like tattoo Hebrew on my arm. Um, and they were all into it. Like they were super cool, like great, like could not hype them up enough. Uh, but Kelly was there on the trip and she got her first tattoo at the same time. And in so the same I, place? Same place. Okay. I found I found this place. Um, but y'all weren't dating at the time. We weren't dating at the time. It was 2019. We uh, a buddy of mine that that goes to Hill City. His name's Matt. Um, Matt, you know, sleeves on both arms. Like he's a ton of tattoos. And I I kind of like mentioned to him like it'd be kind of fun to get a tattoo together while we're here. I found this place. Turns out it's pretty cool. What do you think? And he just let everybody else know. Um, and so we ended up with like a half of the people that went on this trip. It was like 32 people that went on the trip, 31. Um, 16 people show up at this tattoo shop. Like we book them out for the night. Yeah. Two nights in a row, I think. And so they, they you know, tattoo us and, and – um, Kelly got, I think she got like an olive branch on her, on her elbow or something. Um, but that was kind of our like first interaction. Uh, but I was seeing somebody at the time. And so I wasn't, you know, I, yeah, you're on a, you know, Christian trip. You're not going to like hit on somebody while you're dating somebody else. Right. It's, uh, kind of a faux pas. And I ended up dating this person for the, another two years. Um, so you're in 2021 now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I get to the point where I'm just kind of like, I, I, I'm not going to marry you. I can't do this. And I, you know, it it was incredibly hard for her. Um, 
but it was something I should have done a long time ago uh, before that. But If you'd been thoughtful about her and selfish, you would have done it a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I thought the right thing to do was kind of like figure it out. And uh, so uh, break up, fast forward a few months, and then I go to this dinner. I see Kelly. We kind of, you know, I, I, I'm like, oh, she's pretty cute. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, and I, I, I kind of knew she was cute. I remembered her from like the trip to Israel and you're, and you're not that. blind back right. in 2019. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, uh, fast forward a few, you know, a few more weeks, maybe a month. Uh, I, I hosted dinner at my house and it was sort of this like pasta dinner night where, uh, I, at the time I was like super into making pasta. Um, really enjoyed making it and, and, you mean from scratch? Yeah, from scratch. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, 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 And people were, like, interested in learning more about it. So I was like, oh, I'll just toast tonight. Well, end up having, like, 20 people over to, like, make pasta. It's just mayhem. Absolute mayhem. And fun. Yeah, it's it's super fun. Yeah. It's incredibly fun. But you have, like, people stretching pasta dough across the kitchen, like, <laughs> like literally, like, 10 feet. Um, they're like, you know, it, it was just absolute mayhem uh but kelly's there and she's you know helping me plate out all the dinners we're we're doing it together and and she's just incredibly agreeable she's having fun she's got this incredible smile and and i'm captivated i'm like you know dumping stuff on the floor kind of thing and after that i i you know i text our friend john um who's the the lead pastor at hill city and i'm i'm like hey uh, I think I have a, a thing for, for Kelly. What are your thoughts? And I knew they were close. Like, Kelly's on staff at the church. Okay. Um, she, at the time, was working with their, like, discipleship group. And, and I was, you know, I'm, I'm texting him this. And he sends me back a novel. And it basically starts out, like, you know, so Kelly's like a sister to me. So just kind of a heads up. Yeah. And Don't be an idiot. Yeah, don't be an idiot. And he was like, yeah, these are all the things you need to make sure you have lined up um, to be able to date Kelly. And so I, you know, I, I get this back. It's like right before Thanksgiving. And I'm like, all right, game time. Um, and so a buddy of mine was living with me. His name is David. Um, David uh, had played baseball at UVA. He was super athletic dude. Um one of my best friends and he you know i tell him about this he's like all right let's we'll get into the gym day after you know thanksgiving weekend let's let's hit the ground running and so we're in the gym basically quit drinking like we're you're all in i'm all in i'm like you know what it's not gonna hurt me to do all these things anyway even if she doesn't want to you know give me the time of day i might as well try and so i I do all this work and like make sure I'm like centered on some things and and like one of the things is like you got to be rock solid in your faith you need to know that like inside and out I'm like all right we'll figure it out um, do that and then McGeorge has his this is uh, the guy that changed your life yeah this is the guy that changed my life 
Uh, Kev is... He knows guys that own the Clifton Inn um, up in Charlottesville. And so his birthday comes around. He's like, you know what? Let's do it at the Clifton. Um, I'll, I'll get us the farmhouse. We'll all stay there. Well, I, I hadn't talked to him. I lived with the guy for three and a half years, but I hadn't talked to him about Kelly yet. The only person I talked to was John. And so I, you know, he, he invites all these people to his birthday. It's like 10 people. Well, one of them is Kelly. And I'm like, wow, you talk to John. You saw him again. Um, ends up being perfect because, you know, we, so we're at the Clifton. We go for a hike one day. She and I connect. We do, um, like, dinner the last night and, like, the wine cellar at the Clifton. Just the two of you? Uh, the whole, everybody, but, like, we're, you know, I, I kind of, like, position myself. I, like, elbowed somebody out, out of the way and, like, make sure I'm at, right next to her and you know we're we're just i'm cracking joke after joke i mean it's i'm i i turned it on to the yeah you're on yeah 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 and so i'm we're i mean we're laughing we're having a great time um but it it was also kind of like a feel out you know like how like is this person gonna get my humor right are they gonna like what are they gonna come back with or just get you period right yeah yeah because I mean, like there, there, there is a need to be seen in a relationship, and like humor can cover up a lot of things, but it can also reveal a lot of things. And like when you're you're having that back and forth, like it, you get an idea of like, is this person going to see me? Are they going to know who I am? Um, and so we we end up having a great time. I at the end of it, I wanted to ask her on a date before we left. But I, I had some foresight. I, I was friends with her roommate. I, you know, text her. I'm like, hey, Natalie, how do I approach this? I have a thing for your roommate. I'd like to, I want to ask her out. She's like, well, she's skittish. So you're going to have to. Well, hold on. You're, you're starting to plan now. I'm, I'm there, planning. There's yeah, real yeah, planning yeah. going on. There's now. real planning. So, like, yeah. we, we get back on Saturday and I, I, I'm. Hold, know, hold on. Hold on. What, did, what did her roommate mean by skittish? She's uh well like if if you come on too strong you're gonna scare her off yeah kind of that's thing. that's normal yeah. yeah and which like I wanted to, you know guns blazing like we had a great time let's do this let's do this every night <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and so I I talked to Natalie and Natalie's like well you know you should text her before you call her and tell her you're gonna call her kind of thing yeah that's new for me when when I was right. When I was uh, I, I, courting my, my wife, that wasn't a thing. My plan was just call her up and be like, hey, what do you think? You want to go on a date? And so I text her and she's like, yeah, I'll talk to you. And call her up and, and you know, she's she's like, well, yeah, like, I'd love to go on a date. What are your thoughts? I'm like, wow. Well, why don't we get coffee, uh, roast allergy? What do you think about like 8 o'clock on Friday? She's like, how about 8.30? I'm like, sure. Sounds great. Well, or no, I said 7.30. And and she's like, well, how about 8? You know, I, I, you know kind of early for a Friday. Um, I get there at 7.30. They're closed until 8. Versology mm-hmm. doesn't open until 8. Um, so anyway, we, we, we get there and, and we're there for, I don't know, three hours. I think she might have said four things about herself 
I basically just talked at her for the better part of three hours. Um, and I, I like she's she'll be the first one to say this, but when she walked out, she was like, "This person doesn't know anything about me." Like I, you know, I talked the whole time. I gave her my whole life story. I mean, it was it was this times too. Yeah. And and she still gave me a second date. Um, and Wags, uh, that's why I call John Wagler. Wags texts me and and he's like, "Hey, just a heads up." Um, you should probably ask more questions. You didn't hear this from me. And so he gave me a heads up. So the next time, you know, ask more questions. And then from there, it just kind of took off. Nine months later, we were engaged. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a whirlwind. Um, I think a lot of people would look at that and be like, oh, met a, met a girl. And, you know, nine months later, yeah, yeah. And, you know, asked her to marry you. But it was one of those kind of like, I met her in 2019. Um, and if I'm being completely honest, I knew, like, I was interested then. Um, I knew after our first date. And I was, like, real sure after our second. Yeah. And and it just, it took her some time to convince uh, you know, she was on the same page, but it was, it was great. Um, until we get engaged and she had gone on a trip, um, middle of us dating. This is maybe like four months into us dating. She goes to Greece with, um, you know, some of the, like, uh, the two lead pastors at Hill City, John and Lacey, they both went on a trip trip to Greece, and they had like a group of like maybe I think thirteen something like that. Kelly was one of them. Um, they had an extra room, and I could have gone, uh, but Kelly was kind of like, ah, I don't, I don't know you that well. Yeah, you know, and and she it was like a protected kind of thing, and so she, like she didn't invite me, and. Uh, but while she was there, she's she's talking to Lacey and and you know Lacey's kind of feeding her ideas and she's like, well, how funny would it be if you guys got married in like France? What if, what if you got married in Paris? And so we get engaged and but this was at four months. This she's, is like in four months. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know it was trending that direction, but it was kind of like. Well, A, it's too soon to know. And B, like, we can't afford France. And so, fast forward, right? Like, we, we get engaged in October. It'll be a, a year that we got engaged this Saturday. Okay. Um, you know, fast forward to, like, December when we're actually, like, starting to plan this thing. In my head, I'm like, all right, we're doing a fall. Like, we'd be getting married now kind of thing right um and we had kind of like talked about it and and thrown around ideas and it was just sort of like all right well it makes sense to try to do it in the summer um and so her her friend throws out the idea like why don't you guys try to get married in france we toss it around and and i'm like there's we can't afford that like she like i'm 
34 at the time um or 33 at the time i'm i'm you know we don't have the cash to pay for a wedding in france well then i look into it and to rent a chateau in like two hours south of paris was like 14 grand Mm. for three days it's like rent a chateau now granted middle of the week but if you're having people from the outside who gives who cares no nobody cares so we we ended up booking it and then just figuring the rest out so you got married in france we got married in france (laughs) (laughs) it was are either of you french no she knows french i know nothing of french but it was kind of like this all right well why not and you got married in a chateau you got married in a chateau um scenery's probably gorgeous it's it, the the photos are incredible we've only gotten half back um because our photographer part of it was she went with us we were there really for two weeks but um like the first weekend was everybody show up we'll meet you guys in paris we'll have a blast everybody goes down to the chateau we'll do the wedding all that jazz we get back on thursday um and so like the wedding photographer was there from sunday till thursday wow and she was like five thousand pictures to sort through yeah and so it's it's taking a little longer i think than than she expected than we expected to kind of but you'll cherish a lot of most of those if not all of those pictures. yeah oh yeah um we had a blast i mean it, was, it ended up being just you know like the plan like do i recommend planning a international wedding in six months no i don't um was it a blast absolutely looking back it was worth it yeah 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. well cool uh nick we're at an hour 42 you pro- your bride's probably wondering where you are right now i don't know what you told her what the expectation was about how long you're gonna be here. i told her i didn't know how long this was gonna take so <laughs> Well, hey, man, it's great learning your story. Uh, I uh, adore lots of it. I especially love the tattoo story. That's amazing. Yeah. The the way uh, you thought about dating Kelly and then, and then getting to a wedding in, in France is a really cool story. Uh, and then you being all all around good at a lot, a lot of things and then like kind of being lost for, for a good while and then... Yeah, some luck happens and it works out. No, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it, it. I mean, it it definitely worked out. Um, and I couldn't be happier, but it is one of those things where, yeah, luck does play a part. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this, Nick. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.